0: Newton just asked me, why'd you take your coat off? I said, because I'm hot. So John 8, the passage that we're going to camp out in the most this morning is at the very beginning, the story of the woman caught in adultery. And some of you, if you got an NIV way back in the day, notice these little statements at the beginning of some passages that say the earliest manuscripts don't contain you know, like in this case, John seven fifty three through eight eleven, and you're like, what does that mean? And, you know, that's one of those times where it means what it says. The earliest manuscripts don't have this story. And so it kind of leaves you wondering, well, what in the world is it doing here then? How did it get in? It's because in 1611, when the King James Version was published, that was the manuscript they had. And it included this story of the woman caught in adultery. But now, we kind of wonder, well, where did this story come from? If it wasn't original with John, where did it come from? Did some oral tradition exist in 2nd, 3rd, 4th century from Jesus that may have been passed down from John? And people were like, well, this story has been told so many times, we're going to put it in. Did some scribe just find it somewhere one time and thought, oh, this should have been in, we just don't know. But it's such a part of culture, Christian culture, contemporary culture, whatever. I mean, people who don't even know Jesus know words from this story. Let the one who was without sin. Yeah, and you may not have even heard that growing up, but you kind of know this, this language. I read this week that All Quiet on the Western Front, you know, the novel? I read this week that All Quiet on the West Western Front, which in German translated the title is not All Quiet on the Western Front, by the way. It is In the West Nothing is New. I read that it was banned in Poland for being too pro-German and it was banned in Germany for being too anti-German. Some of the things that we encounter in life depend greatly upon our own point of view and this story is no exception because if you are on the receiving end of judgment, if you're on the receiving end of sin, being judged, which have you ever been there, you ever been on the receiving end of that, then this story is going to mean something different to you than if you're on the giving end of judging and on the giving end, the pointing the finger end of all this talk of sin. So, let's pray together. God, we ask for ears to hear. In the name of Jesus, amen. Jesus uses difficult words in John. And some people walked away thinking that Jesus had gone too far. Jesus said things that the people did not have ears to hear. I've told some of you about one of my teachers when he was a young preacher and he thought once he got his first preaching assignment fresh out of school, I'm going to wow them with all the stuff that I've learned and I'm going to preach things that these people have never heard before. And so he got up and he started preaching things that they'd never heard before and then he started getting upset as the months went by. and he in meetings sometimes and in conversations, he would say, why aren't y'all amening during my sermons? And they said, because we've never heard this stuff before. We don't know when to amen. And he said that it was like throwing wingless doves from the pulpit. You know, and they're just falling flat. Well, I think that John 7 through 11, this sort of last half of the first half, of the book of John, is filled to the brim with wingless doves, at least to our ears, because some of the stuff that's going on, we just don't know what to make of it. We, we hear it, and then it leaves us with the feeling, well, what does that mean? What are we supposed to do with this? And it does remind me of something that Mark Twain said, that... He's not bothered by the things in the Bible that he can't understand. He's bothered by the things in the Bible that he can understand. And I think that this textual variant at the beginning of John 8 is one of those parts of John 8 that, unlike all of the stuff that Jesus says that kind of leaves us scratching our heads, this one, it's, it's... Not so hard to understand. Go back to John 3. The words were no easier. We're just maybe a little bit more accustomed to them, born again or born anew. I mean, these are difficult words. These are hard things to understand, but we've heard them a lot, so maybe we're a little bit more used to them. You know, I I think that they come out of a tradition from the people that began... Maybe with Psalm 51, you know, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. And then something else Jesus said in John 3 that may have been hard to understand. When Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn. We've heard Jesus said that, say that before. And then Jesus starts saying things in John 8 that I think are referring back to the beginning of John, back in John 1. And I want to have ears to hear these things. We hear Jesus in John 8, 12. Jesus spoke again to the people. And he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. But in John 8, the people cannot hear him. And Jesus says it's because of their sin, and that concerns me. Is that why I can't hear Jesus sometimes? So just in case I don't get the points of John 8, Jesus just comes right out and says that he is God. And you know what the people try to do? They try to kill him. And at the end of John 8, verse 58 specifically, Jesus answers them, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. Well, that's not subtle you know i i think about you know some of the songs in Jesus Christ superstar when some of the disciples are even taking jesus aside and saying look jesus this is not going well you're saying things that are really turning a lot of people off you're saying things that are pushing people away you keep saying stuff like this you're not going to get elected again next year you know that kind of stuff And then Jesus just keeps saying what he's going to say. And there's some hard stuff. But suddenly, all this talk earlier of I am the light of the world, it starts taking on whole new meaning. But the people can't hear him because they're still worried about a woman accused of sin. Jesus told Nicodemus back in John 3 that Nick needed to be born again, needed to be born anew, not so caught up in getting the law just right and everyone's sin just right that he forgot to actually love God. You ever been there in your own Christian walk? that You got so worried about your own sin and everybody else's sin that you forgot, oh, wait, what I'm supposed to be doing is loving God and being in relationship with God. You can do that. You can get so caught up in being worried about your own sin and condemning yourself, much less condemning everybody else, that you forget to love God. And these kinds of stories, especially the one in John 8, is a reminder. But it's hard. It's hard when the masses carry in women caught in adultery. And my teacher, you know, the one named Jesus, who is supposed to be as pure as water, seems to ignore the masses and just talks to the woman. And Jesus keeps doing this. These women that I thought that he understood he wasn't supposed to be talking to. I didn't think Jesus was supposed to talk to her. And this isn't the first time. You Remember back? Jesus, woman, Samaritan, well, but you're not supposed to be talking to her. You can talk to everybody, not her. And then the woman caught in adultery. Who, I mean, they quote it right at him. Law of Moses says, she's got to die. And so what does Jesus do? He goes and starts talking to her. But like the people who hear him say, I am at the end of John 8, and that time when he called the Samaritan woman to ministry, and that time when he healed the man on the Sabbath, I'm imagining that a lot of these people were saying, about Jesus, not necessarily when he was around, but I'm wondering what the restaurant conversations were later that day. Okay, this time, he went too far. He went too far this time. It was bad enough when he said X, Y, Z. It was bad enough when he was doing all this. This time, he went too far. This may have been one of those times. The variant begins up in 753 of the Gospel of John. I'm going to start in 8.2. At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. Pause. Don't miss where Jesus is when this is happening. This is in the temple courts. This isn't in Galilee by the lake. This isn't out in the country in the middle of nowhere where nobody knows what's going on. He's doing this right in the temple courts. It's significant. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery in the law of Moses it commands us to stone such women, what do you say? And John coaches us in John 8-6 as though we didn't realize what was going on. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down, started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And then Jesus tells her to leave her life of sin, and we like that part. But we forget sometimes that we don't know whether she did. This is another Nicodemus story, you know? We don't know what happens. We don't know what happens to her. We don't know whether she left her life of sin. We don't know the rest of the story, and I think it's that way on purpose. Because before she says yes or no, and let's just give her the benefit of the doubt. Let's just say she said yes, and she left her life of sin, and she went away, and she never sinned again for the rest of her life. Never. Not a single time. Jesus tells her something that we need to shed some new light upon. Then neither do I condemn you, because when Jesus says that, She hasn't left her life of sin yet. You ever thought about that? Then neither do I condemn you. He doesn't say that after she chooses to leave her life of sin. He says it before. You ever thought about that? I think it's significant. And I think it's pretty hopeful for a lot of us. Jesus looks at us today and says, neither do I condemn you. And that he says that while we are still on this mortal coil. Did we forget the order? And much less did Jesus forget the order that these things are supposed to happen in? Does Jesus need reminding that that wasn't the order he was supposed to say these things in? Or have we, like Abraham, figured out that sometimes we have to help God along? Have you ever met someone famous? I went to high school with a girl who went on to play on the USA softball team in the Olympics. She was not an alternate. I mean, she played on the softball team in the Olympics. Her mom was a dental assistant at my orthodontist's office. So our families knew each other. I knew her. It was fun watching her. She coaches at UT now. One of the parks where a bunch of my friends and I used to go play. You know, in early high school and whenever we went to go just hang out on the weekends. That park that was called when they built it the Creative Playground is not called the Creative Playground anymore. It's called the Jennifer McFalls Park. I'm like, no, no, Jennifer. And I've met other famous athletes before in my set at the table with Daryl Johnson. He used to play for the Cowboys, and it's kind of neat. It's kind of neat to meet somebody famous. I remember one time my dad told me that he was the same age as Superman. That's what I heard, right? He didn't say that. That's what I heard when I was a little boy. What he was saying was that he was the same age as Christopher Reeve. But what I pictured was him walking to school with a 10-year-old Superman in the red and blue outfit and kind of a 10-year-old sized cape. That's what I pictured. But even famous people... Especially people who are famous for things that happened a long time ago. Even they are human. So let's say you are a 60-year-old woman in Israel in the middle of the first century. And you're preaching a sermon because you are a follower of Jesus and so you're preaching a sermon. And you're preaching a sermon about love your neighbor and how you heard Jesus say things, not heard about. You heard Jesus say things like, I am the light of the world. And everyone stands up and just claps at the end of your sermon because that's what people do at the end of sermons. And then she's shaking hands. With everyone after the worship service, you know, good sermon preacher and you know all that sort of thing. She's shaking hands at the end of the service, and people are asking her, because she's a guest preacher. People are asking her, did you really meet Jesus? I sure did. Well, I've read all the stories. Which one were you? I was the woman caught in adultery. Well, would you look at the time? (laughs) Do you have any regrets, they asked her. A young journalist asked the 45-year-old lady with dark hair after her TED Talk. Do you have any regrets? Well, I was an intern at the White House in my early 20s. Really? And then they realize who she is. Oh. Well, would you look at the time? And even though Jesus does not condemn, many of his people still do. Many of the people of Jesus keep spare scarlet letters with them at all times just in case they need to hand them out to the right person who will need to wear one for a time or maybe even the rest of their lives. Then the reassuring voice of Jesus just starts cutting through all the judgment. Even when people say that Jesus went too far. And Jesus may be talking to you this morning. Yes, you. You the one who is not without sin, me, the one who used to cast stones at things I did not understand. The love and faithfulness of Jesus shines new light. I I don't know, we might even call it grace on things that we need to see and hear with a beginner's mind. Forget all the judgment and all the fear that comes with having to get everything just right. Cuz you ever been caught in that sort of religious MO where you have to get everything just right. It's exhausting. And then one morning you wake up and realize, man, I got that wrong. And maybe it's something that you can see way way back. You look back and I got that wrong. We're not going to get everything just right. In fact, I promise you, as God is my witness, that we're going to mess up. We're just going to. Sometimes we're going to mess up. But like we've said before, and we'll say it again, if we're going to mess up, let's mess up on the side of mercy. On the side of mercy. You know the whole Jesus teaching? straight out of the Old Testament, straight from the mouth of God. From the mouth of God, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Yeah, God, I hear you, but just this one time, and I know on all this, but just on this one subject, just on this one subject, I know deep down, that you really prefer sacrifice? No. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Well, Jesus just went too far. And in other places, Jesus talks about the people who knew the law, and they actually knew it really well. But they didn't have time to come to the banquet anymore. They had better things to do because they'd been to the banquet a thousand times. I would go to the banquet this time. And so you know what Jesus does when the religious folks stop coming to the banquet? He tells his closest followers, all right, go out in the streets. Get the tax collectors and get the prostitutes and get the people who stand on the median and beg, and get the people who hang out in the wrong kinds of bars, and go tell them that we're having a banquet in celebration of the grace of God. And if they want to come, tell them to come. And it is going to be great. Well, Jesus, you're going too far. Yeah, maybe. when I'm on the receiving end of either judgment or mercy, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to be rather grateful for the times when Jesus went too far, for the times when Jesus offers mercy, when maybe I don't actually deserve it. Because even on my best days, I am the woman being pelted by the law. And then Jesus speaks new light into a world of darkness that looks an awful lot like snapshots of our past sin and our present sin. And you know what Jesus says? Not said but says, and not to a woman in the past, but to you today, who is meeting Jesus for the first time on this brand new day, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus has not Stop saying that. Even on this new day, as we sit right on the edge of the new creation, here in this brand new world without end, Let's stand together in song.